Welcome to the All Things Nintendo Podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. I can finally say this into a live microphone. I have gotten my hands on The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. As such, this episode will be all about talking about my hands-on impressions of that game. Joining me for that and a little bit more is Wesley LeBlanc. Wes, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. You know, it's not great to be sitting or talking to somebody who has played a game I so desperately want to, but, um, you know, other than that, I'm excited to chat with you. (laughs) Well, yeah, so I traveled to New York about two weeks ago, and I was among the first people on the planet to get their hands on The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, so we're not even going to waste time with news because, quite frankly, they're isn't any. We originally planned to have some news, but uh, (laughs) we're going to frame it as if we're not going to waste any time. We're just going to get to the good stuff, which is my time with The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. You're you're one of the few people in the world right now that have the topmost knowledge on Zelda outside of the development team. I'm reasonably Um, sure I'm actually one of the first people outside of Nintendo to have played this game just because, you know, it was a hands-on session. It was a media like group. And I not only went on the first day, I went at the first session of the first day. And oh. from my understanding, this is this is the first thing that they've done with this this game outside of like the the demos that they've been putting up on YouTube. So I was very excited to be among that group of like six people outside of Nintendo that have played this game for you know about two hours, and then there was another group that came in after that. Still, yeah. though, that's, you know, that's something you got to take to your grave. That's um a really cool, well, not take to your grave. It's not a secret, wow. but <laughs> something you should <laughs> hold in high regard for the rest of your life. Nobody can take this away from you, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. I was, I think I was the first person outside of Nintendo to play Mario Odyssey because we did a feature on it. And I remember going to Nintendo's offices in Redmond and they Ooh. were like, yeah, we haven't like let anybody else play this before. And like, you know, I got a a short hands-off demo of that. This was back in uh, 2017. And then they gave me the controller and let me play for about an hour, hour and a half. So I'm pretty sure like I have those two things in common. Of course, you know, Breath of the Wild is my favorite game of all time. Mario Odyssey is my favorite 3D Mario. So like, I'm I'm pretty happy about those claims as, as much as I know them to be true anyway. Before we dive into Zelda, since, you know, Zelda came out and then Odyssey followed, while you were there, did they happen to tell you that a Super Mario Odyssey 2 is on the way since it's been six years of silence? I, they did not give me any un, <laughs> unannounced information, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. Nintendo notoriously tight-lipped. However, yeah. I did uh, make a little reference to one of the PR guys, and I was like, hey, you know what? Zelda came out five or uh, I guess six years ago now. Mario Odyssey also came out about six years ago. I think it's time for a Mario Odyssey sequel or a new 3D Mario. And they just kind of laughed. They did not give me anything. They have good poker faces over there. At yeah, Nintendo. yeah, they're they're good at what they do. But yes, <laughs> I did mention that you know Mario and Zelda came out the same year last time. So maybe we should do a repeat of that this year. God, that, can you imagine? I mean, it's not. I don't think it's happening. I don't think you surprise announce a Mario and then it's here a few months later. I mean, but. Nintendo has done a lot of that in the past. Like basically, since the Switch came out, they have yeah. done like the old like E three time frame announcement for this fall. I don't know if that's going to happen again, but I, my prediction is that once it, they're clear of the kind of the blast radius of Tears of the Kingdom, they are going to announce a new like Mario game. I don't God, know if it's going to be so. for this year or for next year or whatever. But like, that's kind of my prediction. But that's not why we're here, Wes. We are here to talk all about my experience playing The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So 
took place in New York, as I mentioned when I was introing this segment. And it was up in this skyscraper, went up, not super high, but like we were up in like, I want to say like the 20 something floor. Ooh. Got a really good view of uh, of Chelsea and, and Manhattan. And uh, they, they wanted us to be up in the sky because, you know, that's what so much of this game is about. Oh you my know, you gosh, get up there. Awesome. <laughs> it was kind of a cool idea. Um, normally they, they host their events at like some other locations. This was their first time I think they've hosted this event here. I think the Splatoon 3 event was like just on the first floor of some place in the garment district. And then uh, I know they've done, I think they did the Wii Sports, um, or not Wii Sports, Switch Sports. uh, Former editor Jay Guisal went to that one. I think that was at the uh, Flatiron building. Oh, nice. Yeah, I did a Um, Pokemon one, which I guess is not, I mean, Nintendo did a lot of the work on that, but I guess that's a game freak thing. But that wasn't just like a hotel sweet type of thing that was yeah yeah out. well i mean that's that's when i talked to miyamoto and koji kondo that was just in a hotel suite like i just kind of went up and hung mm. out in a hotel room with miyamoto and koji kondo which is very <laughs> weird um but awesome so zelda tears of the kingdom sit down and you know get our bottles of water and everything and we're we get a little like talk from nintendo treehouse representative and then he's like, hey, I'm going to play this game for you guys for a little bit. So we got like a, I'd say like a 20 minute demo. And it's basically just like around the same area that that A.G. Alanuma demo uh, took place where it's like, all right, we're yeah. at this river. And now we have to build this uh, this boat using Ultra Hand. And they, uh, the, the, the guy did it and he like put the boat together and he showed that like, okay, well, we put the logs together. And, oh, I, I I messed up attaching the log or attaching like, yeah, it was attaching the log uh, to the other log. And he's like, well, here's what you can do. And he like shook the stick back and forth while he had Ultra Hand out. And what that does is it detaches the last one that you you connected. Shook the stick like, was he playing with loose Joy-Con or like No, he was playing with stick? the Pro Controller. Yeah, the analog oh, okay, stick. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So he shook the analog stick. Sorry, I guess I do need to be a little bit more specific in that regard. Uh, but yeah, shook the analog stick. I believe it was the right stick. And that detaches your last connection. And people who haven't been paying attention, Ultra Hand is just kind of like this ability that Link will have where he can connect seemingly disparate pieces of of materials that are sitting around. And you can do them to form vehicles or whatever you want, really. <clears throat> and you'll, you'll get a glimpse of that later. You'll, you'll hear about it a little bit later when... It's not just for vehicles, which was kind of cool. But hmm. so, yeah, that's one of the things. And he basically he built the boat just like Aonuma did in that demo. And then he's like, oh, but we're not going to use the fans because there were like fans sitting around. So he brought up this menu, which has all these things called Zonai devices, which the fans are Zonai device. We've seen like a flamethrower in some of the other ones. That's a Zonai device. This is new to Tears of the Kingdom or was, was Zonai device? This is I new. Mean, Zonai, though, is a Zelda term, right? Like, I Correct. feel like I've that, heard that's that. That's a... a, a mysterious race or species that no longer seemingly exists and is that the zonai just this hyrule or is that zelda lore on high um i think it's primarily this one but i I believe the zonai have been referenced in the past maybe in skyward sword but i don't don't quote me on that because Mm. uh i know that breath of the wild is like that was a huge mystery in breath of the wild is like who are the zonai because like they were like all these structures that were designed by them but um, so the Zonai devices are, and like the Zonai apparently are like the ones who have designed all the, the Sky Island temples and everything that are up, they're not temples, but like the, the, the structures. 
that are up in the Sky Islands are apparently Zonai structures. Hmm. And so, and then, by the way, that is not from my demo. That is just from me having done a bajillion deep dive videos that I've watched on YouTube over the past like nine or 12 months, just spending hours upon hours every week watching Zelda lore deep dives. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, so he takes the Zonai devices, he finds two rockets, and those are Zonai devices that he can use, and he attaches them to the boat, and he got on the boat, whacked one of them with his weapon, and the rockets all activate at once and shoots him, like, flying across the river instead of, like, slowly drifting across the river like uh, like Aonuma did. And the, like just kind of, like, showing, like, okay, yeah, you don't have to solve everything the same way. And, uh, and he was like, oh, and here's what I'm going to do, because in case I ever come back to this island, I want to make sure I have this, um, like this, this boat to, to be back on that side of the, the river. He used the recall ability, which lets you rewind time on a specific item. And he, he targeted the, the, re, the, the boat that he just used and pushed it back over to the other side of the island or other side of the river. So it's it seems like you're going to be able to do a lot of really cool stuff with that because like all these, these abilities interact with each other. The mm -hmm. other one that's similar to ultra hand is fuse where again, it, you can target a nearby material or item and you can attach it to a weapon or a shield. Each weapon or shield has one slot and you know, they'll improve durability or improve attack power or something depending on what you attach it. And other times, like it'll actually give you a different property. So like you don't know what what property it'll give you until you experiment with it. So for example, the the demoer from Nintendo Treehouse, he had like a, a stick and he's like, all right, well, I'm gonna fuse this rock that's nearby to the end of this stick. And it improved the durability, but also it gave it the added property of being able to break cracked walls. Oh, okay. So like he went over and he, he smashed a, a wall that had some cracks. Like normally you would see in Zelda, you'd be like, oh, I need a bomb for that. Yeah. So this time it's like you can fuse a, a, a stone onto the end of your, your sword or your stick or whatever and just use that to bash in the wall, which is super cool. Do you have like and, a pop-up that says you can do this now? Or is it like a symbol that indicates that? Like how do you know what your new property is? Um, I believe it's said in the uh, the item description once okay, it's fused, gotcha. but I, I'm not entirely sure. I didn't spend a whole lot of time in the menus, um, mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of like you're trying to take in as much as possible when you're in these demos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I did not see like any immediate like, oh, now you can do this. Uh, but I like I'll, I'll get into what my experimentations were um, once we kind of finish up this hands off demo, and then. Uh, the other one is the, the, the fourth and final ability that I can talk about during this is Ascend. And that is where Link can go underneath of a structure or a, anything with a ceiling, basically, and fly upward and s basically swim through the roof and come out on the other side. So like I, there's one where it's like, the, all right, the, the demo went underneath like kind of like a pavilion and he just like, swam upwards to the top and you you look up basically and you target the ceiling with the, this ability and basically you're just hitting the the left bumper and that brings up a radial menu and you can choose which ability you want to use from there okay and once you select it it'll 
it'll allow you to enter into this mode where for recall, it actually freezes time. So it allows you to actually take your time and select the stuff. Um, but with Ascend, you just kind of look up and it, I don't think it freezes time, but once you get to the top, Link kind of like sits like half in, half out, almost like you're like on the edge of a pool, like holding yourself up before you get out. And he, you can look around and see like what dangers are around you and you can decide to go back down. Okay. If you, or, or you can, but it freezes time while you look around. So like if you go up to the, like say you're in a cave and you look up and you swim all the way up to the top of the mountain. If you, once you get up to the top, if there's like four Lynels and you're like, oh, well, I don't have any way to beat these guys and I'm going to surely be killed if I come out of here. You can just press, I believe it was the B button and you'll go back down to where you were as if you never did the ascend. So when you, when you ascend and then I guess descend, do you just press a button and it shoots you to as high as you can go before you hit something? Or are you like moving up and down, like on a pole that you can control? No, it just takes you all the way up until you emerge through the roof. Okay. So you're not, you're not able to jump out midstream to like maybe reach a ledge high above you. Okay, gotcha. No, it's just like kind of like an automatic, like Link just goes into like a swimming animation almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't, it can't be like, okay, like that island is like a thousand feet above me. It has to be within a reasonable distance before you can do it. So like, otherwise, like, you know, it would just completely break it. Is it fast or like, is there like a something that's hiding a loading screen or like, what what does it look like when it plays out? It's reasonably fast. Like there's like, while he's swimming upwards, like through a cave, it looks like what you would imagine the inside of like, a bunch of rocks to look. It's just kind of like yeah, dark, okay. but he's still swimming. I don't think it's a, like really hiding a loading screen so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it yeah, it takes a second, but it's not okay, like cool. a super long time. Um, but yeah, so then like you know we got a, a glimpse of like he came up to a mine cart that was like overturned, and what he did was he took the ultra hand, grabbed it, and then you can use the D pad to rotate anything that you want. So he, he used the D-pad to rotate. This is honestly the only negative that I had about my time with Tears of the Kingdom was that the rotation felt a little finicky. How so? Like it just, it, it was a little bit difficult to get it exactly how I wanted it. But usually it's mm. it's good because it'll snap into like, okay, that's essentially what I was trying to do. Okay, so you're rotating like on a 360 degree basis. It's not like snapping 90 degree angles. Correct, yeah. Okay. So you But like, you know, if you're trying to like just, put a thing on the back of your mine cart usually it'll be like oh you're close enough and it'll like kind of snap into like what you probably were trying to do um so I, basically what the guy did was he took the mine cart rotated it because it was overturned put it on top of some tracks that lead into a cave and then he attached a fan to the back of it and then jumped in the mine cart whacked the fan and then the fan carried you all the way up to the sky islands i did that in resident evil 4 a few weeks ago Nice. So you've already played. You, you're an expert. There. <laughs> um, but when he when you use these uh, these Zoni devices, there's actually like a secondary energy bar that pops up, and you can only use a certain amount of energy. And I guess that's probably another bar that you can increase, like kind of like the stamina, mm-hmm. yeah. your hearts. But like for this demo, we had like a pretty decent amount of hearts and a pretty decent amount of uh, stamina, and I don't know what the resources. I think there's Zoni charges. I think is what they are for the, that, that resource, but that's an all new resource that is just for these Zonai devices. Mm-hmm. And like for the ones like the rockets, like you don't really have to worry about like 
them being left on and just draining all your energy because like they burn out pretty quickly. Like, it's just like a short burst and then they're, they blow up basically. Whereas like the fans, they'll stay on for a long time. And as long as they're on, even if you're not using them, they will keep draining. What happens when they, well, you might not have the answer to this, but like if, um, for example, you use the fans and you run out of Zonai device energy, does the entire thing stop moving and like you just fall or does the momentum that the fans already created like keep you going forward as I'm you assuming go down? The, it'll be like the fan just probably, and again, I don't have the answer 100%, but I'm imagining that the fan will just shut off. And if you have momentum, it'll keep going. As but it like won't give you down. any more propulsion, right? It's like yeah. if your car battery dies while you're driving, like you'll be able to keep steering for as long as you have momentum, but eventually you'll come to a stop. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, and then I'm looking through my notes here. But yeah, it's uh, it's looking like some pretty like intricate stuff can happen, like just from this demo alone. But like... You know, there's actually, if you're like trying to figure out like, all right, what devices can I put in there? There is a quick access menu that I believe you use the D-pad to access. And what that does, it brings up like a list. You can access like, I think, food items, uh, weapons, and uh, Zonai devices. And those are all on like the quick access menu, or you can go into the actual menu itself. But there's like these little like capsule machines called uh, Zonai device dispensers. And you can run up to them and you can find Zonai charges like kind of in boxes and everything. And they can like almost like a temporary heart. Like, you know how like when you'll eat something in Breath of the Wild, like it'll, if you eat like a really good meal, it'll add temporary health. Yeah, the blue ones. Yeah, are, are they blue or are they yellow? Oh gosh, now I don't remember. Blue but, sounded right, but now I think yellow. But regardless, yeah. <laughs> but essentially, like it's it's a temporary charge that once used is not going to come back, even if you get like you find hearts or or whatever. You can trade in those temporary Zonai charges for uh, basically like coins in a gacha machine in Japan, and Ooh. they dispense these capsules, and it's randomized which Zonai devices you get out of these dispensers. And so, like, I got all these different... I got a portable pot, which is, like, a one-time cooking device. And so, like, you know, in Breath of the Wild, you have to find, like, a fire and then, like, make sure there's a cooking pot on it. And then you can cook. Here, it's like, all right, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's no cooking pot anywhere. You can deploy a, a one-time-use portable pot, and that'll allow you to cook on the fly if you would like to. So that's one Zonai device. And there's a whole bunch of other ones. Like I said, the rockets, there's the the fans... Uh, we've seen the flamethrowers from uh, some of the trailers and everything. This gotcha so, device, what does it look like? Is it like like so a vendor type thing or like an actual gotcha machine? No, it looks like a it looks like a gotcha machine. Like there's like kind of like oh, a awesome. stone pedestal, and then on top of it, like a glass circle, like a glass sphere with a bunch of capsules inside of it, and you can deposit your charges into it, and then like it'll spit out a bunch of the capsules depending on how many you gave it. I love that so much. I spent yeah. a lot of money on gotcha machines oh my in my God. recent I, trip to Japan. Yeah, I usually do. <laughs> yeah, I tried to get like every friend around here where I live like a, some kind of gotcha that relates to them. So like my brother-in-law loves One Piece. So I'm like, let me get you a One Piece gotcha. I owe my friend a uh, a Kirby gotcha that I got her, but I, I she doesn't live near me. So I have to mail it to her and I just haven't had an uh, excuse to go to a post office. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. So that's definitely what it's inspired by it sounds like oh absolutely yeah. yeah so 
That was the hands-off demo. The hands-on demo, I had two sections, right? So the first one, I think, was like 15 or 20 minutes. And that was just all about, like, it's called the Great Sky Island, which immediately, like, makes it seem like it's like a tutorial area, almost like the Great Plateau was in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And it's basically just, like, getting familiarized with the mechanics. So, like, it gave me some puzzles, and it gave me some simple encounters. Um, Like, there was one where it was like, hey, there's this minecart track and an overturned minecart i'm like oh i've seen the guy do this i'm just gonna do that so i turned it over with ultra hand and then like i attached the fan to the back and i was like ready to go up and i was like oh wait one of the tracks is completely out like once you get to the middle of it and i was like how am i gonna solve this and what i did was i actually attached a rocket to the back of it (laughs) instead of a fan and i was like all right well let's just like try to brute force this and i actually hit the rocket and it like shot me off and like I got completely airborne and like crash landed, but I totally made it. (laughs) And like afterwards I was talking with um, like other media members because like they had to switch over like the save file for like part two of the demo. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that ultimately made me like super excited was like everybody had different solutions for like the puzzles that we had in that. And they were like, oh, yeah, I took a hook and attached it to the cart and then moved it with Ultra Hand and attached it to the other, the one that was intact and then added a fan to the back of it. And it pushed me up it and I didn't have to worry about the one that was. And I was like, wow, like there's a lot of ways you can just approach each puzzle and each encounter. And like there was another one that seems like there was a pretty straightforward answer for it. And I didn't really talk to anybody about this one, but like there was a little like uh, like Korok that was sitting on the uh, on the island. He's like, oh, I miss my friend. He's on the other island over there. And the solution is to use Ultra Hand and pick him up, but you can't pick up like living creatures using Ultra Hand. Mm. So you have to, I had to grab his like oversized backpack that was on the, uh, on his, that he was wearing, pick oh, up his backpack cool. and then put him in the mine cart and then send him over to the other side <laughs> where his friend Dang. was. That's really cool. Yeah, and then there was another one where it was like, okay, I'm going to go into this cave and then like explore a little bit. And, you know, I, I used uh, Bright Bloom seeds because it was really dark. These are new seeds that you can throw and they almost like will light up the area almost like a grenade. Like, they explode in light because like there's actually areas you'll go into that are too dark to see now. Mm-hmm. And you can light them up in various ways. And that was the way that I used. So I took a bright bloom seed and just kind of tossed it in like a grenade and it it lit up that area temporarily. Um, But there was, I was exploring in that cave. It wasn't a super big cave, but I was like, oh, let me try the ascendability. So like I looked up at the ceiling and swam through it and I came out and it was snowy up on top. And so I didn't have like the clothes or anything. So I was like shivering and losing hearts. So what I ultimately ended up doing was deploying the portable pot, cooking like a spicy dish. So Link was was heated up for a little bit. And I looked around. There was like a couple of enemies up there. And I found a Korok seed up there, which... Oh, they're back. You are going to be collecting Korok seeds if this is any indication. <laughs> so I found a couple of those in my demo. Um, so yeah, and then like I was messing around with the fusion a little bit. And, you know, I the recall, the only time I really used recall in this part of the demo was in restoring that minecart that I like blasted off mm-hmm. <laughs> over to the other side of the island and I just put it back in its place. So it was like it came back to the the cart uh, or to the, the the resting place of the cart. And uh, so for fusion, I was like having a 
blast, like trying to put together all these different combinations. Like I took one of the, the hook that people were like, oh yeah, I used that to get the minecart. I attached that to my, my sword and I was just like swinging around this hook that had like higher durability and longer reach. And then I was like, well, let's, what's the most ridiculous combinations I can come up with? And I came up with like, I fused like a, a wooden box, a wooden crate to the front of my shield and all it didn't really do anything. It just looked stupid. <laughs> and I think it gave it a little bit more durability, but I was like waiting to see what happened. If like, I got enough like damage on it, if I would have like dropped an item when the shield deteriorated, but I didn't get enough damage. So I couldn't tell. And then like another one, I attached one of the Zonai fans onto the shield. And every time I drew my shield, it blasted air forward. So I could actually blow enemies off the Island using the shield. Which so was kind of cool. Is it? Does it? Uh, did you get an indication that you can like, like the game will deny a potential fusion, or if like no, you can it, pick it, up two objects, you could fuse them. It's each uh, each shield and each weapon has one slot, and you can basically fuse anything. Some things won't do anything to the to like benefit you or anything like that. I forget what I ended up doing. Um, there was one that I did that had like basically no benefit whatsoever, but it just like looked goofy um, excellent yeah and then there's other ones where it's like you know you could fuse the bright bloom seed to your arrow and shoot that and that'll allow you to like get like more well-lit areas at a further range than if you were just oh, to throw it. yeah so it's so it's always with your combative weapons though like or your shield yeah or your so shield that's what fuse is ultra hand is fusing other stuff together that isn't like your weapons or your shield okay. So Ultra Hand can fuse like smaller things because I feel like what they've shown us so far is making, you know, these rafts or boats or whatever. Like, can I fuse like, I don't know, two rocks together or something like that? I think so. I didn't try to fuse <laughs> two rocks together because I was trying to be, uh, you know, productive with my time. Wow, <laughs> Brian, with all the great ideas. Sorry, my two rocks are silly. Yeah, your two rocks are silly. But here's here's an example. So let's just jump over to the, the second part of my demo which was my more in-depth time okay basically nintendo was like hey here uh, the second part of your demo is going to be the longer part and we're going to give you a traversal challenge and this is where you get kind of more of a sense of how this game is going to work the first part was just kind of like all right i got it like i understand how like these mechanics work on a very basic basic level this time it was like you're going to start on the surface of hyrule your job is to get up into the sky islands and then also like make it to this one specific Island. And there's some stuff I'm going to have to glance over because I'm not allowed to talk about it. But like, basically I started off and they were like, yeah, you want to get to this one specific area and then you'll get up into the sky islands and then you'll go from there. The one specific area that was going to get me up into the sky islands was a, like it was in a Bacoblin camp. So okay. I had to fight some bacoblins, but so I was like, all right, well, let me try to sneak in. And this moblin spotted me, like the, the real big, tall, lanky guys. And he was standing next to a bunch of explosive barrels and he threw one at me and I wasn't expecting it. And it knocked me down. And then before I could do anything, this spiked ball rolled, <laughs> rolled oh, down no. and took me out. And I fell off like the tower that, that I was climbing up to get into the camp. And it was game over. And I was like, all right, well, that didn't go very well. Mm. So I was like, well, let me try that again. I don't want to like be too stealthy. So what I did, but I, I was like, all right, like this was a common theme with like whether it was the puzzles or the combat me mechanics or 
really exploration. It was like, I'm not thinking with these new abilities. And if I, as soon as I started thinking with a lot of the new abilities, I started getting like a better sense of what I should do to have an easier go with this. So I was like, all right, well, what can I do differently? I'm like, all right, he threw a, uh, an explosive barrel at me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go up there and I'm going to get within range. And then I'm going to take action with some of these new abilities. So what I did was I got there like kind of stealthily up there and then waited and then he spotted me and I made sure I was like in like a kind of like a wider open area and he threw the explosive barrel at me like he did last time only I did recall and I so it freezes time allows you to select where what you want to send back at them and I <laughs> the way I put it in my preview is I did the old return to sender yeah and it went flying back at him it exploded which in turn exploded like the other like six explosive barrels that were next to him and he he's done and then I remember that there was the spiked ball coming my way. So I did the exact same thing to that. It went flying back up the the path that the Bacoblins had sent down. And some of them were running after it. Like we saw that in one of the early trailers of Tears of the Kingdom where it's like, you can return that back up. Mm-hmm. And it took out, like, it didn't take out any of them, but it like did a lot of damage to them. And then I could do, like, I could swipe my sword at them to finish them off on the way up. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to take this camp. And then I turned the corner and they were like, probably nine bacoblins running at me and then there was one that had like a horn that was like riling them up and i'm like oh crap so i just made a break for it eventually like i I tried to like fight a little bit like i used ultra hand and moved some of the explosive barrels like in their path on their way to me and then i like tried to blow up the barrels when they crossed it and like that got a couple of them but i was still like really outnumbered and that giant guy was still there so i'm like let me just get while the getting's good so I, I, I used this uh, a, a new way. This is the way that we were allowed to talk about this. Uh, we, we used a new way to get to the Sky Islands. Um, okay. And so I'm up in the Sky Islands now. And I was like, all right, well, let me uh, try to get to that island. So I looked and like, there's kind of like this natural like curvature of the islands. Like it's like, okay, well, I, obviously I need to go from this island to this island to this island to, to get to the destination. And I was going from island to island, basically, um, just experimenting with the different mechanics. And like the first one, I was like, all right, there's like this floating Zonai box. And it like, it doesn't really obey the laws of gravity. It's just like, all right, it will just be in stasis, basically, wherever you leave it. And like, it's not going to fall to the ground or anything. It's like, all right, if you lift it up into the air, it will have momentum. And then it will just stop in the middle of the air, wherever like the momentum dies out. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, well, here's what I'm going to do with that. I'm going to attach a rocket to that and get as close to the other, the next island as I can. And then I'll jump off and paraglide over to that island. So I did that. And I, um, I you know, it, it got me close enough. So I was there. And then I get there and it's like, oh, well, there's like a, like a puzzle in this, on this island. And there were two pools of water. One was up high and then it had a waterfall that kind of like came down into the next one. And then that had a waterfall that came down to the next one. But there were two of these concrete slabs that were blocking the kind of the, the riverways that would go into the waterfalls. So I was like, all right, well, n- clearly I need to lift that concrete slab. So I used Ultra Hand to lift up the slab. And I was like, oh, cool, that drained it. And then it immediately slammed back down as soon as I let go of it. So what I ended up doing is like there was like a, a like brackets on the the giant pillars that were holding it up. So I was trying to attach the log um, to the to the 
I put the log in the um, the brackets. Sorry, I'm having a hard time here. Putting the log in the brackets and then lifting up the the stone slab in order to allow the water to come out and then fuse them together with Ultrahand to try to make it so that they would stay in place long enough for the, the water to drain out. But then it like broke as soon as I let go of it. And it's like, it seemed like the, the slab was too heavy. So what I ended up doing was using recall to make it so that it was up longer and then made sure that the weight was evenly distributed on the log, fused them together with, or not fused, because that's a different ability, ultra-handed them together. And then that allowed it so that it was drained. And then I could go into the middle of the reservoir where like there's no more water. There's a bunch of fish flopping around, which I felt really bad. But there was a treasure chest in the middle of it. So that that was like kind of the way that you solved that puzzle. And then the one on the bottom is actually more difficult because one of the brackets is missing. So you have to be really cautious with how you position that and use Ultra Hand to get it together. So that was a cool example of how you can use Ultra Hand to like solve puzzles. And it's like more than just like creating vehicles. Okay, cool. So like, I guess one thing I'm curious about is like so much emphasis is placed on all these abilities um, do you get the sense that like progressing through the game is built around using these abilities? Like, cause I'm not someone who's creative and I'm not going to think of creative ways to use them. And so I'm curious if the game is going to like kind of teach me and guide me into using ultra hand or fuse or whatever, or is it like, I'm going to be needing to think of this kind of stuff. Cause otherwise I might just try to like, you know, brute force my way through things. Well, it seems like you can still brute force a lot of stuff. I mean, okay. I, I, this is a very early area that I was doing in a very small area relative to like the, the scope of this game. But it seems like you can work around it. And also, I, again, I can't say much beyond this, but there is a streamlined way to build using Ultra Hand. And I used That's it. That's good. And it it is a streamlined way to build using Ultra Hand, and that is, those okay. are the, the words I was told I could say for that particular yeah. mechanic. I like uh, these kinds of things in games, but I've I'm, I've never found myself to be uh, particular sa- particularly savvy with them. Mm-hmm. Like my mind can put together, oh yeah, may, maybe recall the explosive barrel they're throwing at you, but you know some of the uh breath of the wild community just gets outrageous with things they're able to do and well, that's, that's what i'm me. so excited about was like yeah. I, I can't wait to see like how everybody approaches these things differently and like what the internet comes up with because yeah it seemed like breath of the wild was kind of like like nintendo gave us like a lot of freedom in that game obviously but like this is like dialed up to 11 and like they probably saw what people were doing with the tools that they gave them like the stasis tool where it's like all right i'm gonna put this log on the ground put it into stasis, whack it like 75 times, jump on in time for it to like go back Launch to normal. Yeah. And then you're like on the other side of Hyrule. And it's like, all right, well, what that that's like the one of the most creative things that they did back then. But it's like, this is going to be like, Nintendo's leaning into the creativity of its community with this game. And that's yeah. almost frightening, but also amazing. And I can't wait to see like kind of the water cooler moments that come out of this was everybody's probably going to approach so many of these puzzles, so many of these like explorative moments differently. And that's what has me super excited. Nice. So I wanted to ask you a few questions about like, uh, just the more general nature of the game based on what you played, like, when you, you know, go hands on the controller, did it feel 
did you feel like you were kind of like returning home to this Hyrule? Does it feel like a brand new Hyrule? Because I know that's been a lot of people's, well, not concerns, but just like questions. Like how similar is this Hyrule to what we played in 2017? Well, here's the thing is I was on the surface of Hyrule for probably 10 minutes of my mm. entire demo time because most of my time was up in the Sky Islands. Um, I mean, it, it the controls feel very similar it's like it, all the buttons do the same things. It's just like now you have all these new abilities. Yeah. And ultimately that's going to be the thing that I think is going to differentiate this is like, I felt like I had to rewire my brain in order to be like, oh, I should use this ability instead of just like trying to like climb to the top of this thing. Like I was like, oh, I need to climb to the top of this. Let me just try to like find a good approach and get a running start and jump and then climb up the wall. And I was like, wait, I could just use ascend and get to the top of this with like in a, a split second, basically. And like the same thing with like ultra hand and like using recall in that combat thing. I was like, Oh, I should just like go up and like try to shoot them with my arrows and slash them with my sword. It's like, Oh, I could just make it so that the thing they threw at me goes back at them and blows them up instead of me. And it's like, that kind of stuff is like, the stuff that's going to take a while to get used to. But like, even by the end yeah. of my demo, it started feeling like second nature where I was like, all right, this is obviously designed to challenge me to use ultra hand in a unique way. And there was one puzzle where it was like, you had to use the the abilities, obviously like there was a, a mechanism, like a smaller mechanism and then a platform in that same shape that was off on the side. And you had to use ultra mm -hmm. hand to rotate it. So I, I, I used ultra hand to rotate it towards me. I jumped on the platform and you couldn't rotate it using ultra hand while you're on it. So what I had to do is I had to put recall on that mechanism and it swung me back over and got, let me get to the next Island. Okay. So it's like That's... kind of like the interactions between these is going to be a really, really big part of it as well. Okay, cool. And then, um, I wanted to ask with, uh, like visually, what did you think of this? Does it feel kind of just like more Breath of the Wild? Do you do you see a step up? Is this like a swan song kind of for the Switch? Or does it feel like, man, we need another uh, Nintendo console to run this thing better? And I know it's a preview, so like you pr I don't think you should, you know, it's a preview. It's not the final build. Um, but I'm just wondering if you have like a general sense of how this game's looking and running. I mean, it seems like it runs fine. It's it's way better than Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, uh, but it's you know it's it, it would it probably benefit from a more powerful Switch. Yeah, but like I think almost every game at this point in yeah. development, mm -hmm. like any AAA title, would, and especially a big open world game like this game. But like the draw distance seemed like it was maybe a little bit better than Breath of the Wild. The frame rate, there were, I, I can't recall. I mean, maybe it was just like I was paying attention to other things, but I can't recall any like wild frame rate drops at any point. And, you know, I was floating from island to island. Like it, it's, it seemed like it was performing pretty well. Okay, cool. Uh, I remember, um, that's good. Yeah, and they've been better in their trailers and stuff about that. I remember way back when Z uh, Breath of the Wild first got announced in that like original trailer, there's a huge frame drop where Link's jumping onto like, an enemy and people were like you know it, it was a really big deal um and that just makes me think of that uh, how uh, zelda fans analyze every single thing so i'm excited to hear that it's uh, seems to be running great so one of the things that like really was fun for me and got me like really excited oddly enough was i like i was trying to make a paraglider or not a paraglider a um like just a glider itself 
mm-hmm. there was like this bird shaped stone. We've seen things where it's like Link is like sitting on like this like almost like bird shaped glider yeah. in the trailers. And I was like, oh, I'm going to use that and put like the fans so that they are like tilted in this way. So it takes me up and forward. And I guess like the physics just didn't check out with what I was trying to do (laughs) because like it it flipped on me immediately upon takeoff. Oh, interesting. I feel like you found one of the few instances where the physics don't work because that's like that's surprising to hear. I mean, it seemed like it was like you're going to have to like uh, the physics seemed like they were pretty sound. I think that it was just like back heavy instead of or like the fans were on the back and I didn't have it properly balanced. So that like sent me flipping and immediately like I was like, I'm my initial reaction and like what I'm still like kind of excited about is like, I am going to accidentally kill link in so many like spectacular ways. That's what I like to hear. And like, it's going to be so much fun to see like the community being like, I built this crazy device and let's see how it runs. Like almost like Mythbusters style (laughs) or maybe jackass style. (laughs) (laughs) True. That's more like like just trying to like, see like, all right, wow, I can't believe that works or, oh man, that definitely was not going to work. And you knew it. And like, just seeing like what people come up with, because like, there are so many times in like the breath of the wild videos where it's like, you get to watch people fail miserably and it's just so much fun to watch those types of situations and like yeah you know this is like a full-on like physics simulation built into a full-on zelda game (laughs) like i feel like nintendo if they really wanted to could have released just like a physics simulation within this hyrule without like any story or anything and people would have eaten it up if it was like 20 bucks you know oh yeah for sure don't give them any ideas. They might do. They might do. Hey, that. I mean, we get it in Tears of the Kingdom. Nintendo so, like, Labo too. Bring it. <laughs> hey, we just did that Labo anniversary thing last week. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I, so I have a this... couple more questions. If that's cool, go for it. Um, I it sounds like this was a gameplay focused preview. So I imagine you didn't get any taste of the voice acting or story or anything going on or anything that you can talk about at least. No, there was nothing whatsoever. Okay, like got no it. story. It was all gameplay. And uh, no voice acting either. But yeah, there was no no mention of the big man himself, Ganondorf. Um, there was really, I don't know, was there any dialogue at all? I mean, you could talk to the constructs and they would just like tell you little things or like the, the little Korok guy was like, I miss my friend. But like those were all text. Those weren't voice acted. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, you know, we're like, what, gosh, three weeks away from Two this weeks. game? Two weeks away. Um, I was just curious, like, how are you going into this? Are you, you know, uh, going to just play and do whatever to your heart's content? Are you like, I want to roll credits on this in a few weeks and then go back and explore? I'm curious because for me, I played Breath of the Wild probably for like months, four or five months before I actually went and, you know, uh, did the Hyrule Castle segment and fight uh, Ganon and all that stuff. I mean, I I took forever on Breath of the Wild as well. Even like... I'm not forever. Like I put like 70 hours, I think in my first playthrough mm. before I went like, and it's like, I almost like didn't want to go fight Ganon because I was like, I'm just having so much fun exploring. Yeah. I wanted to get like every shrine I could. Oh my God. It's like doing all this stuff and like writing my preview, which you can read on gameinformer.com and like recording voiceover for our video that's on YouTube. It, Oh my God. It was just so, it made me want to go play Breath of the Wild again, but I'm like, no, I can't. Like, <laughs> it, I won't be able to finish before Tears of the Kingdom gets in here. Yeah, no so, shot. This is the but, monkey's paw. This is the monkey's paw of our job sometimes is you got to play this game and now you have to wait 
I don't know what it's been probably. I've, you have to wait two, three weeks now to play it again. And yeah, you know and what it's like. You got like a taste Like I said at the it. start, I was like, now that I've had a taste, like the wait feels even longer. Yeah. And like, honestly, like the biggest, the, 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 the best analogy I can come up with, or the best comparison I can come up with is like the way that it made me like rewire my brain. And even in like these basic puzzles and basic encounters, like almost made me like, intimidated <laughs> like yeah it's like a, the worry like the intimidation factor that i had when i was going in to review portal 2 right like this was mm -hmm. 12 years ago or whatever it was that portal 2 came out and i was getting an advanced copy for a review and i was like i had this moment where i was like oh my god there's no guide there's yeah. no guide that exists for this game <laughs> like what if i get stuck on these because like you know portal has just some of the most clever puzzles imaginable yep and that like that's kind of like the feeling of like intimidation. I'm not reviewing Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Kyle Hilliard is actually. I'm not jealous of that. I'm jealous he'll be playing it before me, but I do not envy it's, the I people mean, reviewing this. I don't even know how you tackle that. It seems gargantuan of a task. But it's like, I just have like this feeling that like, is my brain going to be able to keep up with yeah. like <laughs> the, <laughs> the ideas that it, you can come up with in this game? And I know I'm not going to be able to like come up with the most creative stuff that everybody out there is, but like, am I even going to be able to like, wrap my brain around like all the interactions that you can do. And do I even know like all the abilities that link will have? Like maybe there's some stuff that we don't even know he'll be able to do. God, that's such a, yeah. I mean, they're keeping so tight lipped on this game. Like, I mean, this yeah. is, we're two weeks out and it's finally, we're able to talk about this game as the people who played it. Like the first people who went hands on with it, like, and like the, the demos and everything have been super scarce. And like, the story has just been like these little drops here and there and like these teaser trailers. Yeah, that last trailer was like the first time I feel like we got something to like really chew on mm -hmm. as far as, you know, what we're going to be doing in this game story-wise. Yeah, like, and I cannot wait. Like, it's so wild how like this was 100% gameplay focused and like mechanics focused. Yeah. This did not scratch the surface of exploration or like the story at all and like it really was combat, really. it minimal like combat yeah yeah so it's like oh my god this is more about like how recall ascend fuse and ultra hand all interact with each other and can be used within the environment and like to get from one sky island to the next like that's really just a super basic thing but it was enough to like really wet my appetite and be like oh yeah they're doing some wild stuff with this game like just brain breaking stuff and like this is I think that they told me there was a pretty early section in the game. So it's like, this is probably the most basic stuff that we'll even get to see. So I am beyond excited for this game. And like, I can't wait to actually see the full scale and scope of what these mechanics all culminate in. Yeah, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see how they open. You know, Breath of the Wild is such an iconic opening. I can't wait to see... Mm -hmm what their version of this is. And it sounds like it could be something like the Sky Islands, like you mentioned earlier, the Great Sky Islands or whatever, but... Uh. It's, it's got to be what we saw in that initial reveal trailer, right? Where, like, Ganondorf springs back to life and yeah, true. The, the castle starts floating and that probably reveals a lot of the Sky Islands. Uh, I can't wait. I just There's going to be so many firsts in this game and it's so rare that, like, games do that necessarily, you know? Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I always talk with my friends how these kind of games are uh, few and far between. There's a, a lot of really good games out there, but I'm thinking of like uh, like Portal 2 you mentioned or Elden Ring, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. Like These come along and then there's just giant moments in games where it's just unavoidable. Like Even if you're not playing this game, good luck not 
seeing content from it wherever you like browse. Um, it just it, it's I love these moments in uh, in games where like a, a game takes over and we're just all in on it, learning and playing together. And uh, I, I truly can't wait. It's gonna. I mean, be it's like fun. Elden Ring last year, right? Like everybody yeah. was playing and streaming and watching Elden Ring, the memes, talking about the it. cheeses, the the like guides, like everything. It's just so fun watching how much comes out of these experiences like it's usually what like one every other year just completely consumes the gaming yeah. landscape and we just got two years in a row that are probably going to have that that experience and not to mention like yeah zelda gets its a month or a couple weeks to shine but like this june it begins another onslaught of games yeah, that i can't wait to God. i think i think we've mentioned it before on here but like 2023 is going to be uh a, like one of the years in gaming i think I mean, as, as so far, it's a pretty strong year. Like what we yeah. got, like Dead Space remake. We've got um, RE4 remake. RE4 remake. Okay, so we got two Fire remakes. Emblem. Yeah, New like Fire Emblem. Yeah. Oh my god. I and we've still got forgot. Street Fighter, Diablo, Final Fantasy, uh, possibly maybe, Spider-Man. Like who knows? Maybe what? another Final Fantasy because oh my Final gosh, Seven uh, Rebirth. The part? Tec- Re- yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if that's. Uh, I don't know if that's a 2023 game anymore, but it technically still is on paper. Yeah. Um, or at least winter, so early 2024. But yeah, uh, good year. Good year. So yeah, full preview with a lot of these same details, but with even more depth and a lot more coherently said on GameInformer.com if you want to learn more about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. it's I tried to remain as spoiler-free as possible. Like I said, it was not anything to do with story, my demo. So if you want to learn more, you can go on GameInformer.com or our YouTube channel where I actually read my entire preview, like story time, and you can watch clips that are loosely associated with what I'm talking about. (laughs) But it's new footage, so go check that out on uh, YouTube.com. Wes, we're going to take our only break of this episode. When we get back, we're going to do Definitive Ranking and eShop Gem of the Week. We will be right back. We are back, and it is time for Definitive Ranking, a recurring segment where we take a Nintendo topic and give our personal top five lists. Since we are talking all about maybe the most anticipated Nintendo game in recent memory, Wes, I want to get your top five games you have been most excited to come out in your lifetime. So it's a big yes. one this week. So start at five, count it down to one, give me a quick little blurb about each. Hmm. Let's go with, I'm going to say number five is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, so that's the game that kind of turned me into a, a, a Zelda fan, if you will. Um, I still have a lot that I need to play and I'd played a few before that, but, um, that ended up being the one that converted me. But I just remember, you know, it was launching alongside switch and when a game gets just tens everywhere, uh, it's exciting. And just watching gameplay and watching the, you know, marketing for that, they just nailed building the hype. And by the time I'd gotten my hands on with the game, like the hype couldn't go any higher and um yeah it lived up to every expectation i had yeah i mean that's a definitely a good pick because it is one of the greatest games of all time agreed <laughs> number four number four for me i'm gonna go with elden ring um kind of in a similar vein just you know seeing it get all these tens was um so awesome and then elden ring was uh you know when it got announced i'd finally transition into becoming like a full-on from software fan so i was able to like live and breathe that excitement and analyze the trailers and the gameplay uh from the moment of announcement leading up to release and similar to breath of the wild just you know finding out that it lived up to the expectations i had 
uh, was amazing. And we recently, I mean, we just talked about how it's like one of those big releases um, previously in the episode. So, yeah. All right. Number three. Number three, Assassin's Creed 3, um, which is an odd one because, you know, not a lot of people show that game some love and it's not even necessarily one of my favorites i remember being so excited for that game so like yeah just because you're excited for a game doesn't mean it ends up being like the greatest game of all time like exactly for bad games before (laughs) yeah i remember uh i mean i just i loved the Ezio trilogy so much and then Mm -hmm. three the the announcement trailer was so cool it's like you're an assassin on the revolutionary war battlefield that was just such a cool idea to me and i loved the historical aspects of these games and so, you know, uh, getting to play as Connor and, you know, fight alongside freaking George Washington was so cool. I remember the day pre-orders went live, I went to my local GameStop and pre-ordered so that I could get this, like, exclusive steelbook case. Um, that I surprisingly got that day. It wasn't like a, the steelbook comes with the game. It was like the game didn't come out for another year and a half, but I got this steelbook. And I still have it today on one of my shelves. All right. Yeah. I mean, I still have some of the steel books that I got back in the day on my shelves as well. So some of those are pretty awesome, by the way. I feel like steel books, they've kind of fallen out of favor since so many people just do digital now. So it's like, yeah. well, are we even going to put in like a lot of steel books? If you get like a collector's edition nowadays, they're like, let's just give you a code. So it's like, why do I have a steel book? There's no, yeah. there's no reason for this. It's like just a thing that goes on my shelf. By the way, the, the Halo 2 Steelbook. So good. Yeah. I That was how I, I got that with my Xbox because I was kind of late to the Xbox party. I was holding out for because I played Halo 1 on my PC mm-hmm. way, way back in the day. And I was like, well, I don't need an Xbox. They're going to put Halo 2 on PC eventually. It took forever for them to put. I eventually gave up and just got an Xbox and got my Halo 2 fixed there. That's the uh, silver one with the teal the two, blue. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. I think one of my favorites is probably The Last of Us Part 2. It's like a... It's like a piece of art on a steelbook. I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, number, I guess. Two, I think. Two. Yeah. Um, I, I've probably talked about it here because I talk about it everywhere. Uh, I am able to speak uh, Final Fantasy thirteen, Um, And that was simply because it was, I loved Final Fantasy. You know, my brother had kind of uh, given, me his, his, given me his hand-me-downs as far as Final Fantasy goes. So while he's playing final fantasy 10 on ps2 i got his ps1 and was able to play you know final fantasy 7 and whatnot Mm -hmm. Uh, but 13 was the first one that i put my own money towards i bought that game and i played it on my xbox 360 and i loved it Um, and yeah that's still one of the most like important and special games uh, to me today yeah i was i I was so excited for 13 and i remember i went to a GameStop to get mine i was living in pittsburgh at the time and the guy was like Oh yeah, like I have you heard like about this at all? And I'm like, uh yeah, I saw like it's kind of like divided. And he's like, screw them. Games journalists don't know anything. I'm like, wow, you're ahead of the curve here. Like in, in several years, you will likely join a uh a Armada. very specific group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. That's funny. Um Yeah, and my number one is we just talked about it, but Halo 2 actually. Um me and one of my best friends at the time, we just devoured Halo 1. We played it so many times. Uh, and when 2 got announced, we actually got, I think, God, was that 2004? I think it was Halo 2. So I was probably, regardless, yeah. I was in elementary school. So like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, somewhere around there. Um, my parents and my friend's parents checked us out of school early. 
so that we could go to GameStop when it opened. And we, you know, bought our copies and we went home and we played Halo 2 together for like the entire day and night. Um, And they didn't make us go to school the next day. So we played like super late. And it's just one of like those core video game memories I have. Um, I remember... Uh, I remember um, his dad, my friend's dad, asking us like what it's about. And we were like, I don't know. I don't know if it's about like a halo ring. So far, there's just this bomb, which is referencing the first mission where you have to like, yeah. give the covenant back their bomb. Um, and yeah, I can just, I can replay that entire 48 hour period of my life, like perfectly in my head. It's like <laughs> burned into my brain. Yeah, that, I mean, God, what a great game that was. Yep. And I know the Until campaign the... kind of left a little bit to be desired, but like the multiplayer just changed everything. Yeah, so good. I didn't even know at the time either. Like, I mean, I was so young that I just liked the game and it was fun. I didn't realize the impact that Halo 2 would have mm-hmm. on games moving forward. And yeah, even I, I even liked the final mission, like fighting uh, Tartarus, I just think. Fighting monkeys. Yeah. Oh, and then you do that for the rest of the series pretty much. So yeah, they just, <laughs> man, they really took over, didn't they? Yeah. I'd rather fight the flood, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so my list, I, I tried to think back to like when I went to like midnight releases and when like, this was a hard list for me to put together, honestly. But mm. like just the, the, the times that I was like, <laughs> just like almost like antsy to like yeah. get a game in my hands. And like this one, so I think I've told the story about how like Fallout 3 was the game where I was like, I just picked it up on a whim, like at Circuit City when it was going out of business. And I was like, oh, I heard good things about this game. I'm going to buy the collector's edition because it was like $25 and it was like the lunchbox and everything. And it came with like a bobblehead. And I was like, oh, yeah, this got a lot of like really high review score. Let's see what it's all about. And I just fell in love with it and wrote my first game review. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that. Let me uh, <laughs> let me start doing that now. Look at you now. Yeah. And so that, that so because of that, like, you know, I like New Vegas. But like Fallout 4, I was like, oh, man, this is like the next numbered entry after the game that like inspired my entire career, essentially. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I ended up liking it a lot. I think I liked it more than a lot of people did because a lot of people are like, oh, it's just like Fallout 3, but in Boston. And I was like, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. It's not like groundbreaking like I would want Fallout 5 to be at this point, but it was fun. It was fine. But like my excitement level, I remember we got a few advanced copies uh, at Game Informer and I did not have one. And I was like, it almost hurts to like (laughs) know that these people are playing this game like next to me and I can't go play it. Yeah, I um, yeah, I will know what that feels like here very within, I guess, before May 12th, whenever you guys get Zelda and I don't have it. So just keep that in mind also like one that was also up there that almost made this spot was a game that came out in that same time frame batman arkham knight oh okay yeah i remember uh, you've played arkham knight correct yes yeah yeah i remember um, andrew reiner was reviewing it and very early on he goes oh i'm gonna shut my door and be in my office playing this just be warned like i'm shutting my door because there is an unavoidable spoiler which, that, and, yeah. and so I was like, oh my God, that makes me even more excited to play this. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know yeah. if, I don't know if he was the one reviewing it or if he, because I think he was just playing it in his office because I think it was actually Brian Vore who reviewed it for us, but I don't even remember. But somebody, but I remember right Reiner, now. Reiner was like, I'm going to shut my office door. It so, was Reiner. Okay. All right. So maybe it was Brian Vore. 
playing it after the fact. One of them was playing it for like feature stuff and one of them was playing it for review. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember Reiner specifically shutting it. And I was like, that makes me even more excited. Damn it. <laughs> like, yeah. I, just wanna... I imagine he got to, oh, it's not a spoiler at this point. This game's like eight years old. Uh, Joker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So cool. We'll, we'll avoid any additional spoilers. It doesn't even on my list. But yeah. <laughs> number four for me is Halo 3. This was one where I was like, oh, yeah, I went to the midnight release for that. Yeah. And I remember my friend was even more excited for me. He's like, I don't know how much he games anymore, but he was like my Halo buddy for like probably about 10 years. Anytime there was a new Halo game, we would just play co-op throughout the entire campaign. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done that for like the past two games because now he has a family and it's a lot harder for him to find like gaming time like that. Like we can specifically say, all right, we're going to play at 8 p.m. tonight. It's a lot harder for him now. Yeah. So I remember he bought like the the collector's edition that came with the Master Chief helmet. And yeah. I have he was the first one in line. Like He was like, I'm not waiting for you to go to the GameStop like in our college town because I was in college at the time. He went and got first in line, got his his master chief edition or whatever it was called that came with the helmet. And I remember like laughing as he sprinted from the GameStop with his giant box under his arm to his car. <laughs> and just like Were people like trying to chase him down or something. No, he just wanted to get home as fast as possible. <laughs> but I remember like, I was like, like laughing at him. Cause like, it was kind of funny. It's like, a, yeah. kind of, like a, a funny visual that has stuck with me to this day. But I'm also like, I was kind of jealous, like, oh, he already has his copy and he's going yeah. home to play it right now. I probably have like another 30 minutes of waiting in line. I miss, they still do midnight releases occasionally, I think. Like I did one for Kingdom Hearts 3 and even like as an adult, which is when I bought Kingdom Hearts 3, it feels so cool to walk out with like your collector's edition box or whatever. I mean, it's cool to walk out with your game, but like I get not snooty, but I feel great happiness when I'm like, I have secured the package and now I'm walking out and this line of people has to see me. <laughs> Hold it above your head. Read it, yeah. read suckers. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's I a do good remember feeling. when a, uh, a the there was a guy in my dorm who got the Wii at midnight and like none of us Ooh. could get it. And he brought it back and was like showing us like the games and like he's like, oh, we're not going to play Wii Sports. Like that, that doesn't seem like a fun game. <laughs> And he fired up Red Steel instead because that was like the cool game that everybody had. He, I remember he got uh, Twilight Princess, Red Steel, and then, of course, it came with Wii Sports. Wii Sports, in hindsight, was absolutely the right choice to fire up to show yeah. off the, the, the Wii. But no, it was like, oh, Red Steel, that's the cool one that like everybody was all like crazy about at the time because like it showed like a really cool trailer where like you had like a sword and you had – a gun and it was the Wii remote was like doing it. And I remember he just died immediately and we're like, wow, man, really cool console. You got there. <laughs> <laughs> he was very frustrated. That's um, awesome. But I, remember, I was being, I was very excited for the Wii as well. We're getting very sidetracked here. Uh, <laughs> number three for me, guitar hero three. Yeah. I was obsessed with guitar hero at that time. And I was in college and I remember here's how excited I was for guitar hero three. I was a broke college student. But I knew I wanted Guitar Hero 3, and I was not going to wait until my paycheck. So what I did, and this this sounds a lot more insidious now that I'm saying it out loud. (laughs) So what I ended up doing, I remember I was on my way back from a trip and that I had gone on, and I was like, I need to get Guitar Hero 3. It's out now, officially. So I went to a Target, and I think I only had like $50 in my checking account. And I was like, I didn't know, there weren't really mobile apps I mean, maybe there were, but like there wasn't like commonplace for banks to have mobile apps. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a credit card at the time. I only had my debit card. And I'm like, you know what? 
it's worth the overdraft fee. Yeah. So I, just, <laughs> I just bought it and like ended up paying like a $15 surcharge on like an overdraft fee. It's it like, it. whatever, I got Guitar Hero 3. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the white and black guitar or white guitar mostly? Uh, I think if you got the Wii, it was white. If everything, other every other platform, I think was black. Oh, okay. Maybe I had the Wii version. Hmm, interesting. Cool. But yeah, that's how much I was excited for Guitar Hero 3. Uh, Donkey Kong Country is my number two. And I remember seeing the the pictures for this in whatever gaming magazine I was reading back then. It was probably like Electronic Gaming Monthly or Game Pro or maybe even Nintendo Power. And just being like, there's no way that there's a game that looks like that. Like that is just completely unbelievable. Like they're lying, obviously. And then like I started seeing videos and I was like, oh my God, it actually looks like that. And I I guess this is kind of like defying the, the, the list here because it was games that were most excited to come out. But I was just excited to get this game yeah. because what happened was I asked my parents for it for Christmas and I remember I was snooping and I found it and I was oh, like, no. oh my God, I'm getting Donkey Kong Country for Christmas. And my parents found out that I found it and they were like, oh no, we got that for your uncle instead. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not getting it. And then I remember being so excited when I actually did open it for uh for christmas dang you got nice parents i mine i feel like mine would have been like return <laughs> it's either sleeping. that i mean so this was either it was either this one and maybe the better choice actually would have been pokemon blue because i remember that was like two christmas or no that was like i guess four christmases later where i got a game boy color and pokemon blue and this was like the height of like pokemania back in like 98 and just being like, I'm skipping the family activities for the day. I'm just going to yep. go play Pokemon Blue like in the living room. And then they were like, no, you're actually going to be hanging out with the family today. And I'm like, but, but. And I remember that. I think that Christmas it actually snowed. And they made me go outside and go sled riding with my little brother. Boo. And being very <laughs> upset that like I had to go outside when I had a perfectly good Pokemon Blue and Game Boy Color waiting for me back in my, uh, back in my house. Uh, but yes, yeah, I, I remember awesome. just like, needing like needing pokemon in my yeah. life there's a video game for this anime that i've been watching this is awesome um and also i was collecting the cards at the time i was so into pokemon and still still kind of am if you listen to this podcast yeah. and then uh number one this is a game that i was actually visiting my friend keith who's actually been a guest on this podcast before and i was visiting him and i remember i was getting an advanced copy of this to review and i was like I hope I don't die on the way home because I really don't want to die without playing this game. (laughs) Mass Effect 3. Ah, yeah. Mass Effect 3. I was so excited to play the conclusion of that trilogy. Mass Effect 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. Mass Effect 3. I was worried that I would not make it to this game coming out. (laughs) What was going on? Were you just... (laughs) No, I was just like, what's going to happen that's going to prevent me from playing this? Yeah, yeah just being so excited and i remember i got home and i had a del- like the i guess i was going home on like a monday morning or something and i was spending a long weekend with a buddy uh, like uh, across the state and i was driving home and i got a thing saying hey here's the uh here's the, you, you you had a package delivered and i'm like oh crap that's it and i got back to my my apartment and it was there was nothing on the doorstep and i'm like oh no did somebody steal it Dang. And that immediately, and I'm just like, I'm pacing in my Sweating. house, yeah. trying to be like, oh my God, somebody got this package. Somebody's playing Mass Effect 3, bef- like, and I, I can't, I'm supposed to review it. Like, everything's going through my mind, like, oh no, am I going to get in trouble because it's like a pre-release game and somebody else has it now? And 
then like, I guess my neighbor below me heard me like pacing and like getting upset. And they knocked on my door. I've never met this person in my life. And they just had a package like, is this yours? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I took it inside. And I was like, yes, it is. Thank you. And I grabbed it and like, <laughs> have a nice day. Door. Like, shut the door. I never <laughs> talked to that person again. I was just like so fixated on it. I was just like, I lost all social ability and just grabbed it yeah. and ripped it open. I'm like, we're playing Mass Effect 3 today. Dang. That's and so that- cool that like, so uh, you guys used to get uh, like physical copies of games for yeah. advanced review. That's, I'm still a sucker for like physical media. Obviously that's tougher with this job because like it's, I'm not going to go spend, you know, $70 if I already have like a digital version, you know? Um, but man, that is so cool. I would, and this, the excitement, like, like you just mentioned, like getting home and having a package at the door or the mailman delivering something. But I cannot tell you how many times reviews have been completely derailed in the past because of shipping, the shipping would get messed up. Yeah. Or like, I remember, I think it was guitar hero warriors of rock. They, tried to deliver it but like there was a problem with like my apartment complex and like they literally didn't even knock on my door they just like were like okay well the apartment complex is locked so we're just gonna drive away and Uh, you can come pick it up at the fedex facility all the way across the city and i was like you've got to be kidding me but i've got to do it so i had to drive all the way across (laughs) and even then i got there and they're like oh we don't have it yet and i'm like what are you talking about i just got and they're like oh yeah that's it'll come back here by the end of the day and you can pick it up tomorrow i'm like no i'm waiting here until your truck comes back I've done that before for a, a new phone in the mail. And um, yeah, I feel like anytime something's getting mailed to me, it arrives late. Like it's never on time. So like, I guess I should be thankful for like digital video games. But man, it'd be cool to get a, a, a physical copy delivered. It is very nice to not have to worry about deliveries and having to like sign for packages and everything. Because like if somebody knocked on my door right now, I would just ignore it because I'm not, Yeah. there's yeah. no, there's no good reason for somebody to knock on my door without like having to like tell me that I need to replace my roof or like they can paint my, <laughs> my windowsills or something. Yeah. I like, agree. No, I'm just, if somebody rings my doorbell today, I'm hiding in the basement unless I'm expecting somebody. Yeah. I have like a little camera thing too. So I can check and see oh. like, are they here to try to sell me some solar paneling for my house or are they here to drop off something fun? So Wes, we've gone way too long on this subject. Uh, Usually definitive ranking goes by very fast, but this had a lot of anecdotes, so it only makes sense. So let's jump to the final segment here, the eShop gem of the week. I know you've been playing something that just came out this week. So what is it? Um, I have played and beaten Strayed Lights, which is a, uh, it comes from a studio named Embers. Uh, They are, this is a new studio. This is their debut title. And um yeah, so they're, just a little inside baseball. Their PR like hit me up, and they're like, we think you'd really like this game. You should check it out. Um, but I've been quite busy lately, so I just didn't have the time. And then, yeah, like Friday last week, they sent me one more, and I hit Brian up. I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me check this game out and see what happens. And I ended up playing it that evening, and I played a little bit the next day and beat it. Uh, it is shorter. It took me about five, six hours. But like, I actually just really enjoyed it so much that I didn't want to stop playing it. And um, I'm playing a bunch of other cool games right now. So that speaks a lot to this. And uh, yeah, so I reviewed it Monday and I ended up giving it a 8 out of 10, which I think is uh, great. That's very good on our scale. And this game is very good. Um, so what is it? So it is essentially, it's, it, gosh, I'm, it is uh, similar to The Pathless and um, where you're kind of like in this large open world. There's not a lot of guidance or handholding happening. You're just kind of, leisurely exploring and seeing where that takes you um it starts off like pretty open feeling but it actually grows to be quite linear even though it looks open which i like 
Um, but at the core of it, you're like this light, this ember who has to get rid of your inner demons, which is darkness, and become like, you know, a full light or sun or whatever you want to call it. And um, to do that, you have to explore this very alien sci-fi world and defeat enemies. And you do that using one of my favorite combat systems in a minute, uh, which is it's almost entirely based around parrying. So, you know, forewarning, if you don't like parrying, I don't think you'll like this game. Um, but what's interesting about the parry is that your en the enemy will light up either orange or blue, and you can switch to those colors. So using your left bumper, you'll need to switch to orange if they're about to hit you with an orange attack and parry. And then they might quickly switch to blue and attack again, and you got to switch to blue and parry back. And so you do you end up doing this like one-two tango dance throughout every combat scenario where you're trying to match their colors and parry at the same time. And it gets pretty frantic and fast. Um, so it's, it stays exciting throughout. And there's other colors thrown in and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's like the core of this game is this unique combat system. Uh, but what I especially liked about it is that it's not everything to the game. You're exploring this world and the platforming isn't too great. Um, but it's a beautiful world. The visual design is stunning. You know, you can go check out my review on GameInformer.com to see a bunch of my screenshots. I have like three dozen screenshots in my hard drive on my PS5 because I just couldn't stop using the photo mode. Um, and Austin Wintory, the composer of Journey and The Pathless, ironically enough, uh, composed this game. And the score is is really, really awesome. It's one I would not mind having a vinyl of. Um, but yeah, it's just like a short, sweet experience that knows exactly what it's trying to do and excels at doing it in almost every way. Um, my my issues with it, my qualms, you know, the, the platforming and some of the combat scenarios get a little frustrating when they introduce more than one enemy at a time. Mm-hmm. Th those are there but the rest of the game kind of like overpowers that for me where yeah i'd be frustrated in the moment but you know a minute would pass by and i'm back to doing the parts of this game that i really really loved and um yeah it's i played it on ps5 so i can't speak to the switch performance but it is on switch and i imagine it would run just fine it's not like a super taxing game um but it's gorgeous it plays it's simple and intuitive and it's fun um and yeah, if you're kind of just looking for a, a fun little five-hour weekend experience, I, I would definitely give Strayed Lights a go. Yeah, and it's a it's a short, bite-sized adventure, as you indicated there. And yeah. it's uh, 25 bucks. It, I, I, that's what I was seeing. The eShop page yes. is actually not currently up, oh. which is very strange because it's out as we're recording this. But uh, it, indications suggest that it will be $25, and it's out this week. So, um, yeah, if that sounds like it's up your alley, it definitely sounds like it's up my alley. I uh, downloaded it on Xbox, actually, and I'm nice. very excited to to check it out. It's but, a lot of fun. I really like it. And it's just, it's it really is so pretty. I'm a big sucker for, like, purple and pink. If you put purple and pink in a game, I'm all about it. So um, this game gets bonus points. There. And it is absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. Like, even just looking at the screenshots, like, on the Steam page, it's like, wow, this is a very, very good-looking game. And it's yeah. like not like graphically impressive it's just the colors and the art style are very very pretty yeah i mean it's not yeah it's not like a realistic looking game this this is just the art team shining with visual design and um it shows throughout uh and it's their debut game which is so cool to me like congrats embers that's it's a good debut awesome well thanks for sharing that uh definitely check that out if that sounds like it's up your alley wes thank you for joining me for this episode 
Yes, of course. Thank you uh, for having me back. I uh, had to sit through listening to you talk about a game I so desperately want to play, but I enjoyed learning so much about it. So thank you. <laughs> well, I hope it didn't make your wait any more excruciating because I know you are uh, very excited for this as well. And it's, May 12th is super far away, it feels like at this point. Yeah, I'm going into cryo sleep after this. <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor. If you haven't already, throw all things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. And if you want to get any questions or comments, and you can get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at GameInformer.com or hit me up on Instagram at Brian P. Shea. You can also join the Game Informer community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel, even just for one month. Wes, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at LeBlancWest. You can find my words at GameInformer.com. And you can hear my voice sometimes on New Gameplay Today videos and other podcasts like this and the Game Informer show on the uh, Game Informer uh, YouTube channel. That is our show for this week. Thank you again for listening. Take care. We'll see you next time.